believers who are mad. Now, mad doesn't mean angry. It means believers who are making a difference. Making a difference. Now, are you making a difference today in your life? Do you have a life that you see up there, a life of fruitfulness? We want to talk today about a life of fruitfulness. And having said that, let me just begin with something that many people have believed. I want, I want to bring to, your, bring to your thoughts this morning. There is an untruth that the church has, has embraced today. And that untruth is this, that God does not expect his church or his, or his uh, uh, believers to be fruitful just to be faithful. Now, we, that feels good for us. That feels good for us because we define what faithful is. In our minds, faith, if we're faithful, we attend worship occasionally. We attend Bible study. We attend small group. We sing in the choir. We go to committees. And so we're faithful. And the reason this feels so good for us is that when churches close down, like they're doing by the droves today, when the body of the local church body of Christ disintegrates, then we have no responsibility for it because all we had to do was attend. And I just want to say to you this morning, if somebody has preached or taught to you about that, take them to John 15 because there's absolutely no truth. Now, let me just let me hit some of you where you live. How many of you are planting gardens this year? How many of you have already planted gardens? How many of you hope you never have to ever plant a garden ever again? Okay. If you were planting a garden, can you imagine putting all the work that goes into a garden? You have to till the ground. You have to fertilize it. You have to plant the seed. You have to hoe it. You have to water it on occasions. How many would be just real thrilled if all you got was green bushes? A lot of nice, pretty green, limb, green leaves. Wouldn't you like that? No, because there's too much work gone into it. You see, the truth is God has put a lot of work into you and I, and he expects us to be fruitful. I'm reminded of Tom Landry, my wife's favorite football coach. You remember for years he coached the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Tom Landry said that a, the task of a coach is to make men do what they don't want to do so they can be what they've always wanted to be. You see, that's what our Lord is trying to do with us. As he works in us, he wants us to do those things that we may not want to do. And many times we don't want to do them. That we can be what we want to be. Because I truly believe this. If you're a follower of Christ, you want to be fruitful. You want to be fruitful. So let's take a few moments this morning. Go ahead, Cameron. Let's take a few moments this morning. Flip them over the back of your bulletin. Don't get nervous. I already know about the time constraints. Don't get nervous. Just stay with me as we talk about a life of fruitfulness and how to have it. Let's begin with the, the expectations for a fruitful life. What are the expectations? Where do they come from? Are they really there? Well, I will suggest to you three things. First of all, I'll, expect you, I'll suggest to you that it's a divine expectation. If you look in your scripture, it says that God the Father is the vine dresser. That means he's the farmer. That means he's the gardener. That means he's the planter. And Jesus said, I am the vine. 
That means that we have a good vine. That means we have a farmer, we have a gardener that knows what he's doing. That means we have a, a vine that is healthy and good. And that means that we should be tied to the vine as believers. And when we get tied to the vine, it is expected by our Father above, by our Father above, that we produce fruit. It is a divine expectation. The second thing that I would say to you is not only is it a divine expectation, it is a determined expectation. God is determined for His people to be fruitful. He is determined for His people to be fruitful. In fact, He has given everything He has, His most precious gift for you and I to be fruitful. He gave His Son, Jesus, You see, he knew that we could not be fruitful of ourselves. He knew that we were sinful creatures. He knew, as we'll say a couple of times today, that we are like him and we can make decisions. And sometimes we make the wrong decisions. And so he put Jesus down here and gave us Jesus, his best. But not only is it a divine expectation and a determined expectation, but it's also a developing expectation. If you read this text, and I am not doing this as slowly as I normally do for obvious reasons, you find four four levels of fruit in this text. You find those who produce no fruit. You find those who just simply produce fruit. You find those who produce more fruit. And you find those who produce much fruit. The truth is, is that Every level requires work. You don't work for your salvation, but if you've trusted Christ, you work from your salvation. Because our Lord, as we will talk in James in weeks to come, has saved us that our works can demonstrate our faith. By the way, we are expected to produce good fruit. You know how we know that? Because Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, by your fruits, you'll be known, whether good or bad. Now, I, I went Friday night out to uh, Union Hill, and I heard my mentor preacher, Dr. Ted Trailer, from Olive Baptist Church of Pensacola. And uh, I always love hearing Brother Ted preach, but in just a little snippet of his message, he talked about being fruitful. And he talked about, you need fruit bearers in your church. And he said, And this is a 10,000-member church in Pensacola. He said, and we have some fruit bearers in our church. He said, but not everybody is a fruit bearer. He said, some of them are fruit consumers. He said, they just eat whatever fruit is uh, uh, developed. They just, whatever is produced, they just go around and eat it all up. We have some fruit consumers. He said, we also have in our church, he said, we have some fruit inspectors. They're watching what everybody else does and inspect that fruit. And then he said, we have some fruit flies. He said, you know, the only time they show up is when there's a stink. <laughs> Hello. Now, the last one that he mentioned, he, said, he stopped and he said, uh, uh, and Liz does not want, like me to include this. Liz would be his wife. He said... Then we have some fruit of the looms. He said, they ride up behind you and make you uncomfortable. (laughs) 
You know what the Lord wants us to be? He, does, he wants us to be fruit bearers and live a life of fruitfulness. It is an expectation that is divine, it's determined, and it's a developing expectation. And so, what are the essentials, number two? What are the essentials for a fruitful life? Well, I believe the Bible gives us some very clear definition. Now, hang on here. You're going to like this. I don't care if it is me up here. This is good. If you're going to have a fruitful life, there are some things, and I'm going to suggest at least three to you today. First, you need to be properly planted. If you read your Scripture time and again, verse 2, in me. Verse 4, remain in me. Verse 5, remain in me. Verse 7, remain in me. Do you get the idea where you're supposed to be planted? If you go to Ephesians, for the sake of time, we will not go there. Ephesians chapter 1, you find that, that it consistently talks about in him. Now, how do you get in him? You cannot make your own way to get inside Christ. Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. But he also said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one gets to the Father but by me. You know what that means to us here this morning? That the only way we'll ever have a fruitful life, the only way we'll ever make a difference, is to come to the place in our life where we know that we're sinners, where we understand that that sin separates us from our Father, where we then understand that, that God didn't just allow Jesus to come. He didn't request Jesus to come. He sent Jesus. He gave Jesus the pure and holy Son of God, to give his life for your sin. And it is only when you receive Jesus into your heart. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know my sin separates me from you. And I invite you into my heart. And when he comes into your heart to control your thinking and your life to control your actions, you, he walks with you every day. And you're properly planted in him. But watch this. We not only have to be properly planted, number two, we have to be professionally pruned. Now, I don't know about you. I don't like the thought of anybody coming at me with a sharp object. You know what I'm talking about? I keep all the sharp objects away from my sweet lady wife. And she just cut her eyes around and said she had one head, okay? You know what the truth is, though? Please listen. Scripture tells us that the way to have to be more productive is to be pruned off. Now, let me tell you about being pruned off. Please listen to us, all us old Christians. That means when you prune something, you go out and you cut off some of the old stuff. Did you hear that? You cut off some of the old stuff so that the new can blossom. And you know what they tell me? Now, I am not a gardener. I have no green thumb, have no desire to have a green thumb, but I know that you can prune for three or four reasons. You can prune for health. You can prune for uh, aesthetics. You can even prune for new growth. You can prune for a lot of reasons. The Lord, our Lord God takes us and he prunes us for the new growth. Now, you know what this means? This means that he helps us with our lives. A couple of weeks, again, we'll be in uh, James, and he says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and testings. Because you know what? All those things are given to you by me so that you can produce in you endurance and patience and self-control. 
Hey, you ready? And wisdom. That means that when a conflict comes into our life, we've got to find his way to work through it. We've got to find his way to lay it down, and we've got to find his way to move on. I dare say the reason some of us don't produce fruit is because we're still hanging on to some of the stuff that's gone on the last 20 years in our life. And we won't let God prune us back just a little bit. But the last thing I'll tell you is that you have to be permanently placed. Now, this breaks down a little bit with this imagery because a plant, you put it there, it's an, it just, it's an object, it just stays there. But us, we're like, we're like the Father. He breathed into us the breath of life. And when the t- going gets tough, we turn and run away if we want to. We can turn and get out of town. We can place our life someplace else. We can become a church hopper. I wonder if we're a church hopper or a church shopper. We shop to the place that's going to give us the service that we desire instead of produce the fruit that God wants us to. This is essential that we be that we be permanently, that we that we when we when we encounter difficulty, when, when problems come our way, when our life goes out of sync, that instead of running away, that we fall into his arms and let him embrace us. That's the essentials. Now, if you haven't listened to now, would you listen to this last part? And that is the examination. The examination of a fruitful life. Who in the world is going to examine our lives? Who in the world? Well, I'm going to suggest three groups to you. Now, hang on. If you've not been listening, please listen because this is important. First, I. I am going to examine my life. The Bible tells us to examine yourselves, how you are in the faith. You see what the Bible tells us also? The Bible also tells us if we examine ourselves down here, we will save ourselves condemnation over there. Now, let's just be, let's just be truthful for a second. We have no problem in examining ourselves. We really don't. But most of us want to examine ourselves according to the wrong standard. I'm as good as that preacher. Well, I know the preacher. You probably better than the preacher. Oh, I'm as good as my deacon. Well, that may be right too. But do you realize that that is such a low bar? You see, when we look, when we look around and we, and we examine our lives... We tend to want to set the bar kind of low. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you will examine yourself down here, you may avoid some judgment in the afterlife. Additionally, the Bible hints at that if you examine yourself down here, that you may extend your life, because to not examine your life could shorten your life. If we're going to have a fruitful life, we need to be ready to examine ourselves by our Lord Jesus, by his principles and his precepts and his life. But we're not the only one to examine our lives. The second one is him, Jesus. He's going to examine our life. The Bible says it's appointed a man once to die. After that, judgment. 
Now, for those here today, you've never received Christ. Maybe you've resisted him. Maybe you've replaced him. Maybe you've rejected him. For those who are outside of Christ, the Bible tells us that one day you'll stand before him at the great white throne judgment. You will be there because you'll be judged on the fact that you have not trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Here's the bad news. From the great white throne, there is only one exit sign. And that exit sign leads into a, an eternity of punishment in a place that we call the lake of fire and hell. That's what the Bible teaches. If you're going to come to Christ, you're going to have to come before then. Now, for those who know Christ, please listen. Paul tells us that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will not have to be judged about our belief in God because the very fact that we're there is that we have received his personal invitation of salvation. But you know what happens? Now, please listen, believers. You'll not be judged on your faithfulness nearly as much as you will your fruitfulness because a revelation tells us that you'll be judged by your works. We do not work to gain salvation. We work from salvation. But we're told to be fruitful. But as I conclude today, there's another group that judge us. And that is the one I say, them. Them. They judge us. Now, I'm not talking about you brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not talking about the people inside the body, people inside the church. Generally, we do judge each other. And let me tell you what I've discovered. I've discovered that when I judge you, I have this standard for your life. It's unrealistic, but that's the standard that I have. And when, and when I judge me, I have this standard for my life. A lot more lenient. Not expecting the same thing of me I expect of you. But I'm not talking about us in here. That's, that's, a, that's another sermon for another time. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about them. Those who are watching TV this morning. Those who are playing golf this morning. Those who are fishing this morning. Those who are just simply sleeping this morning. Those who feel no need to get to know the God of the universe. And the reason they feel no need is because when they look at our life, they do not see the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to think about that. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self-control. Just think what would happen if all we fed this community from our lives was love and joy, the joy of the Lord, the love of the Lord, the peace that only He gives, the kindness that comes from Him as we obey His Word. guy's name was Reverend Ron Ritchie. He spent six years as a teenager in an orphanage. Got saved. God called him to preach. He was well known. And on the 75th anniversary of that orphanage being opened, they invited Ron back to speak for the three-day event. He came and he spoke. When he stood to speak on the back row, 
was his buddy Jimmy, also a man now. But he and Jimmy run in the same circles in the orphanage, and Jimmy knew what he was all about. And every time he stood to preach, he just whispered a prayer. He said, Lord, help Jimmy see it's real in me. Help Jimmy see I'm not that same little troubled boy that grew up with him. As the celebrations, the festivities, and the meetings ended, people were coming by and shaking Reverend Richie's hand. Jimmy came by and took him by the hand and looked in his eye. He said, you know what? It's real. And he turned and he walked off. Now here's the question for you this morning. When people take you by the hand, will they say it's real? We are known by our fruits. What fruit are you producing? Let's pray together.